You are listening to Work Human Radio, pioneered by Global Force, bringing more humanity to today's workplaces. You are enjoying our special edition coverage recorded live from Austin, Texas, and Work Human 18. And now, here are today's hosts. All right. Good morning and welcome back to Work Human Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Rayanne Thorne. Ah, deep in the day, too. What a great day it's been. Holy smokes. So wonderful. The whole conference has been fantastic. But the, to kick off today with the Me Too pl- panel in the Grand Hall uh, has, has just really brought everything together very nicely with every conversation that's taking place here in the hall and actually within human resources in the last year. Yes, no doubt about it. Well, our next conversation is going to be an impactful extension of that conversation. I'm looking Indeed. forward to uh, getting in. Welcome to the show, Maya Ragu. She's the Director of Workplace Equality at the National Women's Law Center. Maya, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. I appreciate you making time to join us. I know you got a presentation this afternoon, so grateful for you swinging by and joining us. Uh, before we get into our conversation, take a quick second, tell us a bit about you, the work that you're doing, and then give us that high-level view of the National Women's Law Center. Sure. So the National Women's Law Center has been around for 45 years. We're based in Washington, D.C., and we are the leading advocates for promoting equality and opportunity for women and girls. We work on issues related to education, workplace justice, which is my field, um, and health. And we, you know, we're working in the courts, we're working in Congress, in the states, we're working with communities and advocates to build better lives and futures for women and girls. Um, I have been working in the field of workplace justice for about 15 years. Um, I've worked at a few nonprofits, including the Law Center, and before that, I was working at a law firm and litigating cases on behalf of corporate defendants, so that was a great learning experience for this. Um, So my work on our workplace justice team is really focused on workplace equality, so anti-discrimination work, things like equal pay and pregnancy discrimination and sexual harassment. And I have worked on gender-based violence issues and economic security for more than 10 years. So the last six months have just (laughs) been a really heartbreaking and overwhelming and actually also kind of wonderful for the attention that it's bringing to this issue and the potential for, you know, major change that we could finally see. Um, So, yeah, the last six months have been pretty crazy for me, Um, but I'm I'm glad to be here and being able to speak about these issues to an audience of HR professionals, I think, is incredibly important at this time. I would agree. So um, when you when you think about the event like this one, the panel we just saw, how important is it to really start listening to this and tell us if if things like this are going to have an impact on your work and on the awareness and ultimately change in the workplace? The panel this morning was wonderful. I think Toronto Burke, Ashley Judd, and Ronan Farrow did a wonderful job of sort of framing this as a as a bigger issue than just you know, an individual or a bad apple, you know, they were talking about, it's the barrel, it's It's the the system that's rotten. And that's right. And that's the way that we look at these issues at the National Women's Law Center. We are interested in how do you use the law to make systemic change, to change these institutions, the laws that clearly have failed people for so long and silenced victims from coming forward and kept them from getting the justice that they needed. So, 
I think for me, they did such a great job of, of teeing up my presentation this afternoon and being able to talk about sexual harassment is really a systemic problem. And what can we take from where we are in this moment and from the stories that we've heard and more importantly, the stories that we haven't heard, right? Because our work at the center is focused on the most vulnerable and marginalized people and particularly women of color and people in low wage jobs. And we haven't really been hearing those stories and voices about sexual harassment and assault and it's rampant in those industries. So we're trying to center our work and responses of communities, of workplaces, of law around their needs, which ultimately we feel will help everyone. So what I took away as an exciting realization, it was an important learning for me as I'm taking in this movement and all that it implies is, because I've been thinking of it from the emotional toil that, that it's brought millions, this idea of the systemic change required and that, that the system is part of the problem, that's not easy to change. So obviously a big part of that is the legal system. So I know it's a big part of the work that you all do. So walk us through some high-level things that we ought to be paying attention to and understanding of the, you know, the legal change that's necessary as part of that systemic change. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, one of the things that I've been struck by over the last six months in particular in talking to various groups of people is that either people don't aren't aware of the rights that they have when it comes to this issue, um, particularly people who are working these low-wage jobs, or people think they are protected by the law when they're not. And this happens a lot with people who are freelancers or independent sure. contractors. They're not covered by the law. So this mm. is a big issue. There are huge gaps in the law in terms of who is covered and who isn't. Um, so a big part of the work that we're trying to do is both at the federal and state level extend, strengthen the law so we're extending protections to more people so that domestic workers who work, you know, for one or two people in a home are protected by the law because they're not right now, our federal law, or independent contractors are protected under the law. So if you're, you know, a freelance writer, you're a journalist, um, you know, you're an actor, that you can be protected from sexual harassment now. Other things that we're trying to do, you know, the panel this morning talked a lot in the context of Harvey Weinstein and Hollywood about secrecy and how people were able to cover this up for so long. And it has to do with all kinds of clauses and employment contracts that keep people from being able to talk about what happened to them, to, be, to go to law enforcement or an agency. Um, which is against the law, actually. So trying to remove that and create more transparency about what is happening. Because employers need to know, too, if they have a sexual harassment problem. And other people can take a lot of comfort from knowing that they're not the only one this is happening to. One of the things we see about sexual harassment, which goes to your point about the emotional trauma, is that many people feel isolated and alone no one's believing them, and they think this is the only, they're the only person this is happening to, and that helps silence them. Yep. One thing that I, that I think is interesting, as, some, as a woman who's worked in technology, a woman who's worked in HR technology, there are a lot of systems in place that already were supposed to prevent this or expose this, right? So how can we ensure that it doesn't get brushed under the rug again how can how can you and I as women and how can Todd and you know the men that are here at this event how can they ensure as men that that we don't fall back into this and ignore it or that it, that we 
forget because that seems to happen. So, I mean, when we, when we see the issues of gun control and, and God forbid that this would happen to that movement again, um, but, but we tend to, uh, business as usual, we're going to move forward. So how can we ensure that our voices stay listened to? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we see about our system and our laws is that it's set up to be reactive, right? Sort of waiting for someone to raise the problem. It is not proactive. It is not focused on prevention in the first place. And that's, that's sort of the real transformation that I think has to happen. And there are a lot of very concrete steps that people in HR can take to, to affect that transformation. I mean, it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, and part of it is creating trust in those systems, right? So the, the Law Center is the home of the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. And since January 1st, we've received over 2,500 requests from assistance from people from across the country, every industry, every occupation. And there are a lot of common themes coming up that confirm some of the things we already knew. There's a lot of distrust about internal company processes mm. and HR because people see like, when you make a complaint, it sort of disappears. Right. You don't know what happens to it or people aren't responding to it they're, or they're not responding you know, quickly enough. They investi- there isn't a real investigation. Managers brush people off or there's a lot of retaliation against people who do come forward. Um, and some of it, you know, HR might have the best intentions, but it's not trickling down to sort of the lower levels. And they see a real lack of accountability, particularly for people in power who engage in harassment and discrimination. And that sends this signal that, oh, it's okay to do this. There's no accountability. They're not going to be held responsible. So why should I put my job on the line to come forward and complain? So I think there's a lot of work to be done to build up that trust and create systems and transparency about the system so that people understand the way it's supposed to work and can see when it's not working. And then the people who are in charge of making sure it works are held accountable for that too. All right, so we touched on some legal changes necessary, some some systemic changes. Uh, any thoughts, any comments you want to share on some cultural changes that you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to your point that you raised about sort of the role of men in this, mm-hmm. right? And I think the last six months, we've seen a lot of demonization right. of men, and in many cases, rightly, for the horrible things that they have perpetrated over a number of years. But going back... Um, to this idea that you know we're all in this together and you can only make culture change if everyone is participating. Men have a huge role here to be allies um, in this. It can't all be on women or you know LGBTQ folks who are bearing sort of the brunt of this or people of color. We need men as allies and part of what HR can help do is empower them to speak up and to intervene when they see things happening, to say, especially to other men, we have seen in other contexts that men challenging other men about their behavior is so powerful right. and so effective. So for a guy to say to another guy, like, whoa, what did you just say? Or like, that's not cool, or we don't do that here. Just that quick intervention can have such a huge impact, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in your community, whether it's in your family, sort of having those conversations with other men is very, very powerful. And so I just, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do that and to challenge your own 
assumptions about masculinity and power, but that is the way to go. And Tarana mentioned great organizations right. like MVP and a call to act, you know, Men Can Stop Rape, who have been doing this work for a long time, and it, it's effective. It's about time we started focusing a little bit more on that side of it. I know that when issues yeah, that goes of, to prevention again, right, right? Right. And issues of social justice, we can look at history and recognize that in dealing with racism, it's not up to those that are being persecuted to, to stand up and say no more. That's not how the movement gets stopped. It's when others say, whoa, oh, we have to stop this, right? And, and in particular, when it's gender um, inequality or racism or gender bias or um, ageism, any of the isms that we know out there, it, it has to fall on the people who are not the ones being biased against to say, I'm, I'm behind this movement too. It's not just the women, the, the good men, many men that don't do this need to, to continue to have a voice and, and help in the prevention. Absolutely. It's, it's like you said, it's the people who have the power and the privilege right. need to step up and because they have sort of less to lose in this by doing that. And that includes senior leadership of companies. Like we really need to be hearing from them about this. I think that many times they wash their hands of it though. It doesn't impact me. It's the un, unseen, un, un, it's not really happening. If I don't see it happening to me, and it's not happening to me, then it's not really happening. And it, that's not true. Right, exactly. And <laughs> we have seen in the last six right. months how that can come back to bite you. Right. And it, it sends, again, this terrible message to the rest of the people in the company um, and in the industry about how you don't take this seriously and you don't want to be a leader on this, which is not the message we want to be sending. Now, you are delivering a presentation at the drive-in this afternoon. Can you give us an overview of what you'll be uh, covering? Sure. A lot of what we've just been talking about today. Um, it's a two o'clock. I'm going to be talking from sort of the perspective of an activist in this work um, and sort of what we've seen over the last six months and what does it mean um, and how can we use what we've learned from the brave people who have come forward and the people who aren't coming forward about how do we make that change, and specifically in the context of workplaces. Outstanding. So let me ask you this question. I think we would be remiss not to give you a chance to talk about some of the other things that the National Women's Law Center is focused on. We've, Ray and I are guilty of this. We've steered the conversation around Time's Up Me Too. Right. For obvious reasons, but there's other things, other causes, other work that's important to, to what you all are doing. Share some of those with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at least on the workplace front, we're getting ready for Equal Pay Day, which is April 10th, which marks how far women have to work into this year to make up the same as what men made last year. Wow. Um, and that wage gap is about 20 cents right now, and it's even worse for women of color. So throughout the year, you know, we're doing a variety of activities to highlight the impact that this has on women and their families, really, because at least half of women now are the primary breadwinners in their families. So that wage gap really impacts family economic security too. Um, so doing a lot around the wage gap and pay discrimination, um, we are, given the climate that we're in, doing a lot of work to fight back against the rollback of rights that we already have when it comes to reproductive rights and health, um, when it comes to um, 
protections in education because sexual harassment and violence is a edu- is an education issue too. It starts in K through 12 schools, so we, you know it has to be part of a conversation as well. Um, and then we're working in the states with our friends and our our allies, hardworking advocates who you know are doing this work at the state level, and, and which is where, frankly, we're seeing a lot more opportunity to make real change. I'm a, we're broadcasting from Work Human, and uh, we have another movement that's near and dear to our hearts, and that's the Work Human movement, and I know you're all too familiar with that. What I love about the movement is that it's a little bit different for everyone. There's a nuance to it that is a, that means something special to each individual. So I'm curious to know what uh, the uh, Work Human movement means to Maya. So this is my first time at Work Human. Um, and I've been to other HR conferences, and what strikes me about Work Human is that, you know, people here are interested, like sort of they get the situation of where things now, and they are interested in being change agents, right? They are interested in being proactive, and I think that's that's really critical, that's really important, and they are sort of supportive of helping people be like their true selves and their whole selves in the workplace, which, you know, goes back to the theme from this morning about how do you establish respect and dignity in the workplace? That's the best place to see people for who they are and let them be those people in the workplace. Outstanding. All right. Well, Maya, before we let you go, a couple of pieces of administrative business here. Should people need to contact you with any questions, how do they find you? Where do they learn more about the National Women's Law Center? And I wonder if it's possible if you could share some more information about this defense fund. Should people want to be part of that and contribute or benefit from it? Walk us through that. Sure. Absolutely. So they can reach me um, on my email, which is m-r-a-g-h-u at n-w-l-c dot o-r-g. Uh, my Twitter handle is my name, M-A-Y-A underscore R-A-G-H-U. Um, you can find information about the Law Center at our website, nwlc.org. And with regard to the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund, the way things work is that we have a legal network for gender equity. And people can come to the website, people who are seeking assistance and help Um, come to our website and fill out a short form, which helps us understand sort of what their needs are and what they're they're looking for. And then as part of our network, we have over, I think now it's 600 attorneys across the country who have volunteered to be part of this network who are interested in helping individuals who are dealing with sex discrimination and sexual harassment in the workplace, in education, in health. Um, And so we connect them with three attorneys in our network who are in their area who have agreed to provide one free consultation to them. So they reach out, they decide who they want to talk to. Um, And a lot of it, you know, a lot of people aren't necessarily looking like, oh, I want to file a lawsuit. A lot of people are coming forward for the first time, sometimes in years, to share their stories. So they want to be heard, they want to be believed, and they want to understand, you know, what are their options for dealing with this. And some people, yes, do want to go forward with legal proceedings, but that's not always the case. Now, in the cases involving workplace sexual harassment, if people want to move forward with legal proceedings or they're facing like a defamation suit because their harasser was someone powerful, then um, uh, their attorneys can apply for funding from the fund. So there's a form on the website as well, and an application for attorneys to apply. And we would love for more attorneys to join the network, too, because what we see is that in some states, you know, there are people who live in rural areas or not in big cities, and it's, and it's hard to find attorneys there. So, yeah, I mean, the response have just, has just been incredible I suspect so. um, and overwhelming. And it's, 
it's so interesting to see this sort of play out in real time and hear these stories, which are heartbreaking people, but also wonderful in the sense that sometimes after 20 years, people have been carrying this around and finally feel like empowered to come forward and talk about what happened to them because, and a lot of them say, you know, I don't want this to happen to someone else. Well, I appreciate you sharing information on that apparatus. Uh, appreciate yeah, that. All thank right. You. Maya Ragu, Director of Workplace Equality at the National Women's Law Center. Maya, it was a great pleasure to have you. Thanks again for stopping yeah, by. Yeah, thank you so Thanks, much. Maya. All right. It's all the time we have for now. Todd and Rayanne signing off from Austin, Texas. We'll see you again soon on Work Human Radio. Work Human Radio is brought to you by Global Force, pioneers of the work human movement. Global Force helps make work more human for millions of people and organizations worldwide. Learn more by visiting workhuman.com and join the Work Human movement by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and the Work Human Community Forum on LinkedIn. Thanks again for listening to Work Human Radio.